Hi, I'm Paul Schrempf. Welcome to Microdosing, where we look at small, specific things that represent bigger trends in healthcare. In this series, we are having conversations directly from the annual meeting of the American Society of Clinical Oncology, or more commonly referred to as ASCO. I hope you enjoy. Welcome. We're joined by Jamil of the Chrysalis Initiative. Jamil, welcome. Thank you. Well, love to hear a little bit about you and the organization, which is very much overlapping, but yeah. uh, give us the one-on-one on yourself. Yeah, um, I was diagnosed with metastatic de novo hormone positive HER2 negative breast cancer mm -hmm. in 2018. Had to learn um, about breast cancer right away. Yeah. Who knew it was so complicated, yep. right? Um, my husband um, is a colorectal cancer survivor, so wow. I was supposed to be the healthy one, mm. right? And we mm -hmm. have three boys. Um, so I got involved with advocacy right away um, yep. and learned about the disparities in black women with breast cancer. Yeah. So black women are dying from breast cancer at a 40% higher rate than their white counterparts. Wow. Um, I heard from all these organizations that it was due to social determinants of health, mm -hmm. not being able to access good care because of lack of insurance or underinsurance or financial issues. Yeah. But as I was going along in my journey um, and meeting other people that were also breast cancer patients who were seeking my help and support, yep. getting involved with advocacy, I found that actually the barrier was the healthcare provider, health system, or hospital themselves. Mm. Meaning yep. that because of bias and racism in the care setting, yep. unbeknownst to these women of color yep. who did not know that the bias and racism was impacting their care. Hence, yep. I launched the Chrysalis Initiative, um, and that is our jam. That is our focus. That is what we're focused on. And so we have launched a number of different solutions in order to address disparities um, that are uh, attributable to racism and bias in the care setting. Yeah. When you look at cancer care over the last few years, you want to say we're making progress, and, and there's the quote of, the future is here, it's just not equally distributed. Exactly. <laughs> and that's so true in this instance, because yes. you want to say survival rates have gone up and yeah, all yeah. these things have gotten Absolutely. better, but not consistently. Has, everybody. Yeah. Right. Um, and what's so disheartening is that, you know, Martin Luther King even said mm -hmm. that the most, you know, egregious type of, you know, racism is the healthcare kind. I mean, this yeah. is really addressing someone's life. And I think people in, in today's uh, time, you know, they think that racism only has to be overt right. or that you have to have like a, you know, KKK hat on or mm -hmm. something like that. But it can actually be just depraved neglect, yep. depraved indifference. Yep. And so if you are not ensuring that the same quality of care that you would give any standard patient that walks in, yep. and what happens is it's death by paper cut. It's yes. cumulative omissions that end up impacting that a person's care, which ultimately impacts their ability to survive this disease. Yeah, no, I agree. And then how, how's the the reception been? I knew you had a, a poster presentation earlier yes, today. Yes. This has been a big headline this year. It actually started last year in terms of better equity, but we'd love to hear kind of the receptivity. Right. I, think, I think it's amazing that we have so much attention brought to this mm -hmm. because just eliminating the disparities um, in cancer would reduce the death rate by an additional 30%. Wow. Um, however, I still think that the narrative is still focused on social determinants of health and that, mm -hmm. oh, just those poor black people, if they just, you know, had universal health care and more money, then yep. this would be all worked out. Yep. <laughs> but actually, I think what's interesting is that um, people are more um, interested and receptive to how um, bias and racism can permeate and, mm -hmm. you know, impact 
you know, the delivery of care. And so I know if I was in a hospital administrator, I would be just so disheartened. If I'm working hard every day, I'm focused on equity, I really want to put forth the best care, and you have some people, some bad actors that are harboring bias, and sometimes mm -hmm. unbeknownst to them, right. you know, that it's influencing their decisions, um, and it actually impacts patients in this way. I mean, let's reveal those blind spots, and that's what we do. Yeah, that's great, because I think that's, um so true at, at, at an event like this that has such a scientific core. Right, right. I don't think anybody's questioning like the scientific method or how we do science. Yeah. But if it's pointed in the right direction or your data set doesn't isn't inclusive of the right population, exactly. it's gonna send you accidentally in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. And your point, it's like death by paper cuts. It's not like somebody's <laughs> trying to be come in and be racist, but, but right. it's these interesting biases that yes. we're, we're trying to have a, a bigger, more frequent conversation around exactly. uh, to get through that. And on the delivery side, because mm -hmm. I think, uh, myself included, I, I, I get reminded how many biases I carry every time we have a DEI conversation at work. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, that's another thing I learned today. <laughs> and I have to assume it's going on with all the healthcare workers right, as well. Right, <laughs> exactly. And you have to think about it. It's so interesting because we also work with medical students. Oh, yeah. You know, for them to see how it manifests. Mm -hmm. um, and it's almost as if because of the structural systems, Yes. within hospitals and health systems mm -hmm. that it's almost biased by proxy. Yes. <laughs> it's like, you know, um, trying to move people of color on and through as fast as possible yeah. without really listening or engaging or, you know, and sometimes there's that breakdown in communication mm -hmm. just due to um, not having experience or being able to connect. but. If you're not able to engage with that individual and for them to understand um, what their needs are right. to manage this disease and what the treatment plan is that's outlined, yeah. that patient-clinician communication is going to have a breakdown, obviously. Yep. So we help them bring in those tools and reveal those blind spots at that particular health system. What you know? Where is it that they're providing disparate care in that delivery? Yeah. That's great, and they also have it from uh, a cancer survivor like yourself to right. say, I, I've been in these yeah, shoes, yeah. this I is what it feels it like. So well. Yes, because <laughs> uh, I think we always tend to talk about cancer patients as like observations in a data right, set, right. but they, but they but have- there are people yes, attached yes. to these tumors, and yes. it's so interesting that I find that everything works better. Yeah. It's more impactful and resonates more and more effective if you have the people that are impacted by the disease mm -hmm. included in everything from soup to nuts, yeah. whether it's patient communications, education, marketing, materials, um, programming, yeah. you know, um, everything from soup to nuts. If you have advocates or patients included in the mix, in the decision making, it's going to be that much better. Agree. I think that's that's the biggest piece. It sounds simple, but it's, it's quite important because I still think too many healthcare executives are saying, here's what we're gonna do, now how do we make it equitable? Right, right. Like you have to start with the <laughs> equitable piece. Right, where are the barriers? Yes. And I think that's great about what we do with BC Navi, because with our equity assessment, you know, evaluating the 40 areas of cancer care delivery, we can hone in on the specific data, yeah. you know, to let people know, actually your disparate care is in surgery. Hmm. Your disparate care is in billing. Hmm. or patient navigation, or palliative care, yeah. or, you know, connecting to patient navigation resources, you know, because it's different in different areas of the country, different age groups, different subtypes. Yeah. And if you just have this big aggregate, okay, we're going to be equitable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Great. It's like, uh, yeah, you need to be a little bit more specific and targeted. Exactly. You know? Awesome. Well, this has been great. And then where can people find out more about you and the organization? Oh, yes, the chrysalisinitiative.org, or you can find us at bcnavi.com. Fantastic. Well, Jamil, thank you so much for pausing and sharing a bit of your story oh, thank today. Thank you so much for taking the time and inviting me. Thank you for listening to Microdosing. If you'd like more content like this, go to our website at md-pod.com. And that will triage you to all the common podcast platforms and social media pages to follow us. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.